Hi, y'all. This is Claudia. You are now listening to episode two of Running for Office, the podcast. First thing that I want to say is if you have made it to episode two, hopefully that means that you have already checked out all of episode one. And for that, I thank you. The feedback that I received on the first episode has filled my heart with such joy and has really humbled me because in all honesty, I didn't think that anyone was going to care about this podcast or that anyone would be interested in my journey or what I have to say. But I've received so many messages of support and just general excitement. And it's made me even more excited about choosing this direction for myself and about starting this podcast. Luckily, I haven't had any negative feedback just yet, but naysayers will always exist. There is nothing that we can do about that. However, I can say in very blunt terms, they can go F themselves. In the last episode, for a general recap, I talked about, I guess, all my issues, if that's the way that we want to put it, um, all of the wrong that I've done, the not so great parts about my childhood and upbringing, and really just anything that could quote unquote, bite me in the ass uh, whenever I decided to run for an office. This episode, I hope to pick an office to run for because that I would think, and I hope I'm on the right path, is the first step in running for any elected position. Because depending on which position you run for, there are different qualifications and there are different ways of networking and campaigning that you probably want to specify and tailor to that specific position. Let's start off with how I started the hunt on looking for offices. Let me tell y'all, it is not easy. I have a general knowledge, I would say maybe more than the average person amount of knowledge about federal and state elections and even local elections as far as my specific county goes. Um, And so I know exactly which sites to turn to and where to find different information such as vacancies or qualifications. Um, or different laws that you must abide by when filing in order to run for an office. So I started in my general areas that I know to look at, such as like the Secretary of State website. Um, And for example, I would be running through a Democratic Party. So for me, I went through Texas Democrats um, because they also have an area specifically designed for folks who are looking to run and provides them resources and information that they would need to know. And this is where the rant kind of begins. There is no one place that you can just enter your address to bring up all of the elected positions that represent you, whether it's local, state, or a federal position. 
Yes, there are different websites at the local level, at the state level, and at the national level that can break some of that down for you, but you have to actively venture out and search for them. It will, it's not going to be the first thing or even the second thing that pops up in Google after you search who represents me. You will have to go to different areas of the internet to get that information. On top of that, the information is very unorganized and it's hard to find. So while you may be able to pull up who represents you at a state and federal level, which is pretty easy to do, that is something that we're able to quickly find. It is much more difficult to find who represents you locally. Now, there are several websites, and I have already mentioned Texas Democrats, um, because each party generally will have an area that provides resources for candidates who will be filing with that party. Another organization that I have recently come across and have found extraordinarily useful is the nonprofit Run for Something. So Run for Something is a progressive American political organization dedicated to recruiting and supporting young candidates running for down-ballot office. So regardless if it's state, local, or federal elections that you are hoping to run for and you share progressive values, Run for Something is definitely a resource that I highly recommend. However, I take issue with the gatekeeping of resources that I have run into as I try and find more information on how to run for office or different networks that I might need to be a part of or different information that I may need to know as I decide to run for office. Recently, the gatekeeping of resources has been uh, a largely discussed debate. For example, Gen Z and millennials, but more of Gen Z, has really been utilizing TikTok as a tool in order to educate people on different issues that maybe have not been highlighted. And there are certain, I guess, I'm trying to look for the word for it, I guess, classist, outdated ideas of what is considered a viable source of education. When I say this in layman's terms, what I mean is that there is this very nasty, very snooty idea that has lived for a long time about what it means to be quote unquote educated and different standards that you have to meet in order to be classified as an educated person. The people who have created those standards have been, and I don't know how to put this in any other way, but they have been rich, white, cis men. Not everyone meets that definition. Not everyone will fall under those standards uh, because there are different inequalities that have not been addressed. So there are some people who are born in areas that are much more underrepresented and are not given the same opportunities as someone who is born in a different area that is provided, you know, fair representation or circumstantial things such as familial support, access to funds, access to resources, access to transportation. There's just a whole lot that feeds into a standard that a, a standard of education or what it means to be educated. 
while I understand that there is some gatekeeping going on in order to prevent people from abusing the system, we can see that that really hasn't stopped people from necessarily abusing the system. My biggest issue so far, and the reason that I just went on that entire rant, is because there are way too many barricades and pay-for-info organizations that exist and that benefit off of this classist and ableist and very outdated system or idea of what it means to be educated. I really do take a very large issue with it. Personally, I do not understand how you can charge. And when I say charge, I mean some of these organizations charge upwards of like $2,500 in order to take you through a quote-unquote political boot camp in which they teach you about campaign financing, uh, general information that you may need to know about your certain state and different qualifications, provide you access to different resources and networks that they have, which is all great. All of that is great and very helpful information, but I think charging for it, and in addition to that, asking people to apply, just the very idea that you have to apply to an organization in order to then apply with a freaking government in order to run for something, that just blows my mind and it angers me so much. I understand that resources and time and research and just even the putting together of all of those connections to create those networks, I understand that that all comes at a cost. However, by instilling these paywalls of having to apply to your organization or to apply to some sort of training, and then on top of that, pay for it in order to receive information on how to run for office, I think is just, I don't even wanna say it, y'all. I, I, I'm not gonna say the word, but I just think it just says a lot about your organization and truly what you are hoping to achieve. The biggest issue that I have with it is that it disproportionately affects those who do not have equal and fair access to resources or frankly just don't have the money to pay for that kind of stuff. Because really all of the information that any of these organizations can provide to you are written. They are located on the internet. They are located on Secre Secretary of State websites for each state. And there's many, many other websites that have this information posted for free. What they are charging for is for, for conglomerating that information into one area. I don't think it's fair to charge someone for doing that. I think that should be a tool that is readily available to anyone who takes interest in it. I know that some people may take issue with this because I am speaking about this in a very nonpartisan way, but I really do not want to discourage anyone who truly feels a calling of being an elected official from not being able to at least have a fair chance at doing so. So yes, I've had a few people reach out to me um, and provide me different information for different organizations, I'm not going to call them out, that do charge for 
political boot camps or candidate trainings. And and you can provide me those resources. I just I just feel a certain t- type of way about them. I just really think that there should be a free tool that can just grab all of this information that is out there on the internet and put it in one area for someone to be able to access free of charge. So if anyone's listening to this and you work in, I don't know, app development, I'm going to need all hands on deck. Please reach out to me because that's a tool that I definitely want to be created or that I want to create myself along with the help of of some individuals. Because how cool would it be if you wanted to know who represented you at each level and you could just text and almost kind of like those robot text numbers that we have nowadays, you could easily just provide your address and you would get all of this information. And if you were looking to run or contact anybody within those positions, you would have the option to be able to do so and find that information about what it is that they do, who they are, what are their votes like on this? What are their stances like on this? Um, and there's different repositories that I know of, like Project Vote Smart, um, which I talked about in my first episode, uh, that houses nonpartisan information. Uh, so that way we don't have to worry about partisan language getting in the way of the validity of the information provided. Now, let's talk about, I guess, the more specifics. So in case you don't know the timeline that we are working on, at the end of the first episode, I said that this was going to be a very long process and it very well is going to be, guys. The offices that I have looked into or that I have interest in are up for re-election in 2022. So that gives me two years, which in podcast time is literally forever. However, in real time, when you're a candidate, that is a very, very short amount of time in order to make yourself known, to network, to campaign. Because of that, the first step in running for office is picking an office. And in order for me to start that, I am actually going to ask for y'all's help Uh, because I truly and honestly don't know where I should begin. Um, I've narrowed it down to two different positions, which I will explain here shortly. And I'm asking you all to help me decide or figure out which battle I should pick for 2022. So the first office would be for the Texas House of Representatives. In 2022, the district um, in which I reside, which is District 46, will be up for re-election. It's currently held by Cheryl Cole. She is amazing. I actually canvassed uh, for her and phone banked for her. She won after defeating an incumbent, Donna Dukes, that I had actually interned for. And if you know anything about Texas Legislator, you know everything that happened with Donna Dukes. And so I, I have some, some experience with that, some stories that I keep to myself. However, whenever I was interning for that district, I really became extraordinarily passionate um, about the work and the specific issues that the constituents were facing, um, especially because I was born here in Austin 
And while I, I lived with my mom off of Slaughter in South Austin, my grandmother, who basically also raised me as well, um, has been a longtime resident of East Austin. I grew up right across from Ortega Elementary. It has my heart. I remember running up and down the streets and making friends with the neighbors, the different little gas stations and corner stores that we would walk to all the time. I'm very passionate about the constituents, the issues and inequalities that they face, especially as there is growing gentrification happening in that area. Um, so I'm just very familiar with the people of that area and how it's changed over time, at least since the 90s when I was around. And then I get all of my historical information on what it was like from directly from my grandmother and her experiences as a Latino in East Austin. The other position that I am looking into is at a much higher level, um, and this would actually be for the U.S. House of Representatives for District 35. It's currently held by Congressman Lloyd Doggett. He has held this position since the 90s. I also do not have any issues with him. Same thing with Cheryl Cole. I have always been a huge supporter of Lloyd Doggett's. I agree with him on many of the issues. We share the same stances and views. Um, and I believe that he has always definitely well represented District 35. District 35 at the federal level represents central Texas cities, such as Austin, San Marcos, New Braunfels, and parts of San Antonio. My relation to this is that I have, now you know, I have lived in Austin. Um, I very much grew up here. I also have lived in Kyle on and off throughout the years, which is near Buda, which is near San Marcos. Sorry, if y'all are not from Texas, this is gonna make no sense. But um, I have seen the drastic changes that have happened along that I-35 corridor. And I am very familiar with the type of constituents that reside within those areas. Um, additionally, because I have lived in South Texas, I understand at a very high level the needs of different folks, at least within San Antonio. That would be my direct connection to there. Um, I currently have family that resides in New Braunfels, and I know that I can definitely reach out to them in order to figure out, you know, what are some of the issues that they face. But I really do think that it's almost very similar to those that I see in Southeast Austin, which is District 46, the other position that I'm interested in. With that being said, there are pros and cons to both of these positions. I know that people are going to think I'm freaking crazy for going directly for a U.S. House of Representatives seat. But you know what I say, you got to dream big to make it big. Actually, I have literally never said that, guys. So um, y'all heard it here first. If anyone wants to quote me on that. The con to that is that I would be going up against an incumbent who 
is very, very much loved and very well respected. I do not disagree with them on many of their stances. If anything, I have always been a big supporter. And so I really wouldn't have that much to outshine them on. The pros of this seat that I can think of would be that one, I while I highly admire and respect the incumbent, I do think that it's time for a, another generation to take over and to breathe some new life and really take hold of the excitement, the quote unquote blue wave that is bubbling within Texas that would hopefully make Texas a swing state. And so that's really the pro that I can think of is that I would be able to harness this new energy and the youth and really try to drive home the fact that we can respect our elders and really what we want to do and what everyone should hope for is that the younger generation will grow up and just carry the torch of what the previous generation has done and grow from there. As far as running for the Texas House of Representatives, one of the cons that I can see of running for District 46 would be that Cheryl Cole has not been in that position for a long time. Frankly, from at least how I would see it, is I would not feel good about voting against the incumbent and thinking that they haven't really done anything, quote unquote, for me during only one term, because that is a very quick turnaround to expect someone to have provided lasting change that affects you. As someone who resides in District 46, the con would be that I simply haven't given Cheryl Cole enough time to actually make the changes that she hopes to to reflect. The pro to running for this position that I can think of is that I have a very deep connection to this part of Austin. I am extraordinarily protective of East Austin and the different parts that it encompasses. I have family that lives in the northern part of the district and the southern part of the district. So I definitely understand most of the issues that these constituents are facing. And I have a deep-rooted alliance to this district. It's changing and it will continue to change as Austin grows and as Pflugerville grows and even as Del Valle grows. As someone who is young and who is new and moving into these different areas, I understand what the longtime locals, I understand the issues that they're facing, but I also understand the needs of the new constituents and new residents of those of that district. I am torn. I am torn on what exactly to do. Do I just go for it? Do I go big or go home? Do I try and just start at a state level and just take it from there? I'm not sure exactly. There is no guide to this. There is no one to tell you, hey, don't do this. Oh no, you would actually be really stupid if you did this or if you took on this person. So I'm going to actually leave it in y'all's hands to help me decide what exactly I should do. I have a very deep 
passion and very deep understanding and knowledge of both of those districts at a state and federal level. And so I would happily represent those districts. Now that you've made it to the end, I am calling on you to help me decide, help me figure out what to do y'all, because this is so hard. Once we figure out what it is that I'm going to do and who it is that I'm going to come after, that's when the games begin.